a little bit, but I want to I want to spend the month of March kind of looking at the foundations of the cross. Foundations of the cross. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Actually, Isaiah 52 is where we'll spend most of our time today, but you can get to Isaiah. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For to those who are perishing, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But to, to, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is the wisdom of God. The power of God manifested in such a way that it looks foolish to the unbelieving world. But how many know that God, the wisdom or the, well, actually the foolishness of God, even as Paul mentioned here, is wiser than any of man's wisdom. Amen? The foolishness of God is wiser than any of man's wisdom. How many know that, that the, the weakness of God is stronger than any man's strength? Paul also said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, many of you could quote it, but it says, Therefore I am not ashamed of what? The gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Heading back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again. Or, yeah, 1 Corinthians, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but chapter 2, Paul says, I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want us to understand this morning, the cross is God's total provision for you and I. God made possible through the cross everything that we have need of. Do you know this morning that you lack nothing? You can talk back. Okay, you, can, you can talk back. Or maybe you're just pondering or thinking. That's good. God made possible through the cross everything that we have need of. We either receive on the basis of the cross or we don't receive anything. The cross of Jesus Christ is the, is the total and permanent defeat of Satan. Amen? Satan can't change that fact no matter how hard he tries. It's got to be pretty depressing to play a game and to know that you've lost. Just thinking about it. <laughs> Our old man was put to death with him on the cross and the new man Jesus Christ has come alive within us sin has been defeated in our lives we are no longer slaves to sin but we now live in righteousness and holiness the cross of Jesus Christ even as we were singing this morning is the perfect and complete sacrifice for us and so as we get into it this morning I want us to go to Isaiah chapter I said 53 We'll get to 52 in a minute. But Isaiah chapter 53, I want us to spend several kind of next several weeks here and go through it. Let's read this together. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. 
Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was struck. His grave was assigned with the wicked, yet with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, was, he has put him to grief. If he have made himself as an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the anguish of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify the many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Thus he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. This is a fantastic prophetic word speaking of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But I, 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 I read that this morning, but I want us to jump back to chapter 52 because actually this prophecy starts in chapter 52. In the closing verses of chapter 52, you know, chapter and verses are not found in the original Bible. How many know that? You know, they're, they're there. They were put in place so that you and I would have an address, you know, like kind of like a GPS locator so that we can find verses, so we can find passages, so we can find scriptures, locations in the Bible easier. But sometimes there, when the writers put in put these in things, place, they so made some mistakes as far address. as the location of where one chapter ends and where one chapter begins. And, and so if we look at this, we think, well, the whole prophecy is contained in chapter 53, but it actually starts, this, this, this section of the prophetic word actually starts in verse 13 of chapter 52, which says, my servant shall deal prudently. Isaiah 52, 13 to 15. My servant, see, my servant shall deal prudently. 
he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, or yes, just as many as were astonished at you, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So he shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what they have not been told, for what for that which had not been told them they shall see, and that which they had not heard they shall consider. If you were to go up before those verses, you would see that it was talking about the Messiah, King Jesus, will appear and rule in, in, in the world. But here, in, in verses 13, right to the end of Isaiah 53, we find that this same king will be called a servant and he will go through tremendous suffering. And so I want us to begin to look today from verse 13 onward and to begin this, see this portrayal of our Savior Jesus Christ. And I want us to use this this morning as kind of the kickoff for this, this whole idea of the foundations of the cross. I want us to start there with verse 13. It says there, See, my servant, shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. I picked out some things out of these thir first three verses that I want to share with us this morning. And the first thing that I want us to look at is the office of Jesus Christ being God's servant. Being God's servant. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 says, But he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. That is a mind-boggling verse. When you think about God on high coming as a man, it is interesting how contrary to our nature that the example of Jesus Christ is to us. Think about it. Jesus, King of Kings. Jesus, Creator. Jesus, God on high. Jesus, the Holy One. Jesus, the Righteous One, humbled Himself and took on the form of a servant and took on the limitations of humanity. This is so contrary to what we see in the natural desire and in the, in the attitude of our world today. Most, and i got to admit myself in this, most of us, if given the choice, would rather be served. Amen. Okay, so you're all better because we're spiritual. That's okay. But most, if given the choice, would rather be served. Most do not want to submit or walk in a place of humility. We don't like being told what to do. We want the respect of being above others, but rarely do we want to surrender to those around about us. You know, I can speak as a husband, and I can say, you know, husbands want to rule their homes. And they want everyone to respect them. But I see a lot of husbands who don't want to submit and serve in their homes. 
Wives don't, you know, sometimes you're, wives, you know, I don't submit to any man. Yet we see here Jesus is called a servant. John chapter 5, and we're studying the book of John on Friday nights, and it's been good. John chapter 5 and verse 19 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, likewise the Son does. In this first verse that we're looking at regarding the servanthood of Jesus Christ, I want to give us some thoughts about him being or him fulfilling this place of being a servant. And the first thing that I look at and think about is his faithfulness as a servant. Jesus was faithful in all things. He never omitted once the requirements of his Father. In fact, Jesus Christ carried out and fulfilled the will of the Father perfectly. Jesus said in John 14, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. John 8 and 29, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. He did everything that was commanded of him to the point that the Bible says he was even obedient unto death. He was faithful as a servant of God. He was passionate. You know, the old kind of word that they would use in the Bible is he had zeal, enthusiasm, passion. He was filled with passion to fulfill the work his father called him to do. Jesus said again in John chapter 4, my food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. That's my sustenance. That's, that's, that's what I take joy in. That's, 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 what I, that's what I hunger for. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it says, let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll tell you something. Jesus didn't come into this world and think, oh, I guess I got to walk these 33 years. This is going to be a drag. This is going to be a pain. There was a, there was a desire, a passion to fulfill what God had called him to do. He also persevered. He stayed the course. He didn't deviate. He never turned aside. But even as we just read, he endured the cross, which was everything right from when he was born. It, it, it encompasses everything of, that he did while he was on the earth. He went to the cross, and just before he died, he said what? It is finished. He could say that because he persevered in that calling of a servant that God had called him to do. I was thinking about this a little bit as I was preparing this message. How he was a servant of God and I was thinking, 
Think about how this would change our homes or our marriages. Think about what it would do in our families if we were servants. You know, because we look at the scriptures and yes, it's good to look at Christ, but Christ is our example of how you and I are to walk. Think about how if we took his example of being a servant and carried that into our everyday lives, in our homes, in our jobs, in, our, in everything that we did. If we only did those things which pleased our spouse, and I understand there's a context to that. Think about how it would change our relationship with our spouse if, if we were faithful in doing the will of our spouse. You know, so many times in the church, you know, and I'm, I get a little frustrated sometimes when I see churches that are, you know, just talking about 12 steps to a great relationship with your spouse, which I understand is there and sometimes is needed because sometimes people just don't get it. But the fact of the matter is, if you and I are transformed by Jesus Christ and walk by Jesus Christ in the Spirit of Christ, our marriages wouldn't have any difficulties. What if we served our spouse with passion, taking pleasure in what in doing what they ask us to do? So when my wife says, Chad, can you do the dishes? Yes, I'm right there. Some people think that, you know, I don't do anything. I, I do dishes, I clean the toilets, I do everything at home. Especially now because sometimes they've got their hands full. Or persevering with them through through when things are going tough. How would it change us as parents if we took this attitude of service or servanthood into our relationship with our kids? You know, we're not there just to simply boss them around. There's a time. Okay? Context. There's also a time to submit ourselves. And when we say to our child or to our son or to our daughter, listen, I'm going to come play with you. You know, I got to finish, but I'm going to come play with you. That we turn and say, you know what? My child needs me. I made a promise to them. It's a passion of mine to serve them. So therefore, I'm going to go and be faithful to it. And I'm going to sit and do what they want. Which may include, as in my case, playing tea party at times. Or sitting and laying on the floor and letting them crawl all over me and slap me and hit me and wrestle with me. Or when I do something wrong, sitting down with them and saying, I'm sorry. I had no right to do that. 
How would it change or impact the church and Christian life if this is how we serve God? And I, I throw these questions at I throw these questions out this morning, but I, these are questions that, that I'm thinking about this morning. Can I say that I'm a servant of God? Can I say that I'm faithfully fulfilling everything that God asks of me? Can I say that I, with passion and pleasure, do the things that God asks of me? Can I say that I'm on course and enduring even to the place where I am willing to die? Not necessarily physical death. I'm just dying to myself in everything that God wants me to do. Jesus Christ, the servant. Think he became a servant for you and me. Let's go to the next verse, because that's where I got my next thought. Verse 14. Just as many were as just as many were astonished. That word astonished actually can mean stunned or devastated at you. His visage was mar so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. There's a, there's a great kind of translation that puts this kind of into a, into, a, into a language that really brings out what this is. And it, it says there, many were horrified by the sight of him. He was so disfigured he no longer looked like a man. It's hard to imagine and it's even hard to portray in movies because we couldn't even grasp it. But Jesus was beaten and tortured with such severity that the Bible says that he wasn't even recognized as human. You can go through the different things that Jesus suffered. Luke chapter 22, verse 63, it says the guards who guarded Jesus mocked him and whipped him. This is not the Roman guards. This is speaking of the temple guards that came and arrested him initially. Matthew 26, 67 to 68 says, They spat in his face and struck him. And others slapped him with their palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who struck you. And basically what they did is that either they covered his eyes or they put a hood over his head or, or they did something in a manner that he couldn't see. And they beat on him and then said, Who hit you? turned who hit you to try to mock him. You know, we know about the whipping, Matthew 27 and 26. Then he released Barabbas to them, speaking of Pilate. But, he, but when he had scourged Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. This is obviously talking about the, the, the lashing and the whipping of his back with, the, with that horrible whip that, that ripped his back open. interesting. I was thinking about this verse a little bit. 
think it's interesting that people are complaining today that there's a pastor in jail while they release the sexual predator. But look at this verse. Just, just context. They released Barabbas, who was a criminal. Scorched Christ. Just understand, understand what, what's happening in our world today. Happening already. I mean, I know not to this extent, but just understand it's just interesting. Verse 27, or Matthew 27, verse 29. They wore, they wove a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. Isaiah 50, verse 6. We don't see this in the New Testament. They doesn't talk about it, but Isaiah 50, verse 6 prophesies and tells us some more things that happened to him is that they pulled out his beard out of his face. We know the nails in his hands and his feet. Psalm 22, verse 16 talks about it. And we know, you know, yes, he was finally dead when this happened, but the piercing of his side. I bring this us or this to us today to emphasize the death that he suffered. And I want us to understand this morning that Jesus went and faced the cross as a man. He experienced every strike, every cut, every wound with the same intensity and experience that you and I would. Yet it was completely necessary for him to go through this and die. You say, how does this relate to us? I mean, we're going to get into payment of sin and all that sort of stuff, but we must realize that Jesus gave us, as I was talking about before, an example to follow. We may come one day to the place where we will be facing physical death because of our beliefs, because of what we stand for. But even before getting there, I want us to understand we must surrender to God and die to ourselves. Much like being a servant, this is not a very popular thought today. Much of today's focus in, 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 in some churches is all about living your best life. That God wants to prosper you and everything. And there's, there's actually truth to those things. But it's all about you, 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 about me, me, me. And we forget. We forget that we are to live a crucified life and that we must be willing for that old man to be put to death in us. You see, the cross spell, or is a crucifixion, and that spells death. And if you identify in what Jesus did on the cross, then you, the old man, must die. I must die. Paul said this, Galatians 2.20, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, Knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed, and we should no longer be slaves to sin, for the one who has died is freed from sin. You see, these verses are not just simply symbolic. The way of salvation is not simply that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And it, it is not that, it's not simply that God turns and makes us good. But I want us to understand this morning that we've been put to death. The old man, the carnal man, the, the, the sin, all of that is, has been put to death. And we are placed in Christ. And His Spirit, which is what we've been talking about, comes alive and lives in us and we become a new creation. The only way to receive spiritual life is to guess what? Die. And by the way, only God can cause us to die. We can't even die on our own. It has to be through Jesus and the work of the cross and the activity of the Holy Spirit. In Christianity, death is the door to life. The only path to fruitfulness in the kingdom of God is through dying. We're going to celebrate Pentecost. 50 days after Easter. But we cannot expect Pentecost without first the cross. And my questions this morning, as I throw it out to you, is, is the same thing that I that I throw up my, to myself. Am I really dead? I mean, yes, I'm dead, but I'm, I'm like, am I am I Am I like, am I dead? Do I act like him? Do I think like him? Do I love like him? You know, here's the thing sometimes. If we are dead, we wouldn't be so offended, or we wouldn't be offended when somebody says something to us. The thing about this, too, is the cross has to crucify us before we can expect it. Paul said this in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained, attained or have already been perfected, but I fall after it so that I may lay hold of that for which I was seized by Christ Jesus. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. There's a work of it in our lives. So often, or I, I would say this, so don't be discouraged if there are things that still need to be dealt with. 
but do realize that we are dead and that should lead us to living in the spirit which should bring about change. You know, I don't like these kind of messages because every time you get, if you ever get to preach you will, or teach, you will understand what's happening because in one hand, I'm preaching and I'm firing, I'm going, on the other hand, my brain is working and it's like, Chad. Or, or the spirit is working, Chad this, Chad, yeah. And it's like, my gosh. But it's good. It's funny how God has made us so intricate and detailed and so many things that you can have things going on all at once. Secondly, related to this, and this is to encourage us, Jesus endured the cross with the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked, we know Jesus walked, lived, ministered, and died in the strength and the power of the Spirit, which I say today because it shows me, it shows us that we need the Spirit of God in our lives to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish in us. You see, salvation and victory, even the changes that you and I want to see, even the things when the Spirit of God points out and says, hey, Chad, what about this? Listen, it, it, it's not a victory and, and, and deliverance and salvation and all these things is not going to come through depending on ourselves, but comes by standing in faith, identifying in faith, in the finished and complete and perfect work of the cross, which involves, at, at a point, being born of the Spirit and born of the Spirit of Christ living in us. The whole thing is God saves you and puts His Spirit in you so that He can do within you what He wants to do and live through you the life that He wants to live. It should give us a new perspective and appreciation. I was even thinking of the verse, Philippians 4.13, which we can all quote, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Think about this this morning. The very Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that equipped and enabled Jesus Christ to endure and complete the work of the cross lives inside of you, lives inside of me, and is there to equip and strengthen us to die, but also live and fulfill all that God calls us to do. That's wonderful news. Verse 15, let's move on. I mean, we're going to, you know, we're going to expand on these things as we get into the Isaiah chapter 53. This is kind of just an introduction to it all. It says there, so he shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which they, for that which had not been told them they shall see and that which they had not heard they shall consider. In the Old Testament, um, when talking about sprinkling, it's either 
sprinkling with blood as the high priest makes makes the sacrifice. Leviticus 16, you can see that. Or sprinkling with water, like to purify, um, as in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. Both of which are applicable to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has sprinkled us with his blood. We are filled with his water and washed with with the water of his word and even with the Holy Spirit and so forth. But it says there that he shall sprinkle many nations. I bring this in because part of this passage from Isaiah chapter 52 is also found in the New Testament. It's found in Romans chapter 15 verses 20 to 21 where Paul says, I have strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, so that I should not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, and then this is where he kind of quotes from, from, from Isaiah 52, to whom he has not announced, or to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. You know, this is, even back in the, even back in the prophecies, the coming, of, the coming of Jesus Christ as our Savior was not just for Israel, but salvation is made available to all, regardless of the nation that we come from. Paul preaching to the Gentiles was a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecies, or prophecy that the Gentiles who had never been previously evangelized would see, in fact, the coming Messiah who was announced to the Jews. It was not announced to anyone else, but those who had never been, who had never heard the good news would see and understand and respond in faith. And the message of the cross and the message, the closing part of this message today is that the cross, the work of the cross, everything that Jesus Christ has done is available to all. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, the sprinkling of the water of the Holy Spirit, the washing, the cleansing, the forgiveness, the peace with God, the new life that we have. Salvation is not just for a select group of people, but it is for each one of us. I say all of that because you know what? When we get into Isaiah 53, we're going to see some great things. We're going to see some promises that God has made to us. And I want you to understand this morning that the message of Jesus Christ, every part of the gospel, every part of the work of the cross, everything that Jesus has done on the cross is not just simply for one person or for another person. It is for each one of us. We're going to get into the portion where it talks about, you know, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his, of our peace was upon him. And what? By his stripes, we are healed. I want us to understand this morning that healing, physical healing, is, for, is available and is for every person that comes and looks to Jesus Christ. 
I only bring that up because I know sometimes people will say, well, it's for this person, but it's not for that person. Or it's for, it, it, it might be for this individual, but it might not be for that person. Listen, the work of the cross does not stop at any one individual. It is for all. I'm going to do it more. So I can jump off on that. The Bible says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And just like three verses down, Paul says, For everyone, everyone, all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus took on the form of a servant. Think about it this morning. He took on the form of a servant. He went through the work of crucifixion. He poured out his life. He, was, he died. He was buried. He rose again so that you and I and anyone from anywhere in this world, regardless of nation, regardless of race, regardless of walk of life, regardless of the class or any distinction that we put upon people sometimes in this world, can experience the salvation that God has for us, which includes forgiveness and cleansing, which includes peace with God, which includes dying to self, but also includes being raised up and having God live inside of us and fitting us with his Holy Spirit. That's wonderful. That is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. That's good.